0: It's inspiring to stand in this pulpit, which is a part of the fabric of this transcendent place with a great view of all of you. It's also humbling to stand in this pulpit because it's a memorial pulpit. In fact, the first thing that I noticed about this pulpit, the very first time I came to this cathedral, I became distracted by what this wall of the pulpit says. This pulpit was given by the congregation in memory of the dean's eldest daughter, Edith Mary Hart, who died January fifteenth, eighteen 1897. Edith was a beloved member of the parish. She was a beloved member of the choir. There are all kinds of incredible stories about her. Those were more pious times than these. So one of the stories about Edith is one time she was sitting in the choir and she noticed that another young woman became distracted. And that same woman eventually passed a note to another choir member. This so troubled Edith that she prayed for days for that young woman in the choir. <laughs> she had a habit of making hospital visits to the county hospital. And she was visiting a woman who had typhoid fever And after a couple of months, um, Edith herself contracted typhoid fever and then died in the middle of January. The parish gave the pulpit in her memory, and so it's a poignant reminder that every preacher who preaches the gospel does so with skin in the game. The preacher has not only a gospel to preach but a personal story to tell. And even when that preacher is not being autobiographical, he or she is inevitably wrestling with the deepest mysteries of existence, of life, of death, and of God. And I also imagine that good dean preaching burials or during the Easter season with a lump in his throat in other words, the gospel is not an idea, much less a doctrine, but it's a story, a very personal story, that interacts with the most, on the most deepest level with our own stories. I thought of all this this week, um, in part because I, I think about it actually more often than I'd care to admit, but in part because the last panel on this pulpit says, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. A reference, of course, to our second lesson, this epistle. This is standard fare for for pulpits. Many an Anglican or Episcopal pulpit has these words from Paul inscribed upon them. It comes from a very deep passage, this particular moment in Second Corinthians, where Paul is describing Christ in what we might say in more contemporary terms, that Christ is a symbol. That is a, a very ordinary and mysterious reality in and through which we meet the living God. This Christ, as Paul describes it here, and it's part of what's so odd at first about the language, this Christ is a physical joining of humanity and divinity. And the humanity is not just Jesus's, but our own. And that's what Paul means when he writes so oddly, that we carry in our own bodies the death of Jesus, and we carry in our own bodies the life of Jesus. Christ here is this mysterious symbol it 's not just he 's not just an individual, but it 's in and through his humanity that our humanity, our bodies, our stories are physically joined to the living God it 's a passage that 's reminiscent of another from paul and a, and a passage that 's much more beautiful first thessalonians two eight where Paul writes, and again when he 's writing he 's writing to real people. these are letters to congregations, to assemblies, to parishes like this. So deeply do we care for you, Paul writes, that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own very selves, because you've become so dear to us. We're determined to share with you the gospel of God and our own very selves. If that verse could have been summarized in just a few words, it actually would have been a much more fitting inscription on this pulpit. In other words, the gospel, the good news of Jesus the Christ, is not an idea. It's instead a story, a story that cannot be separated from the stories that we tell about our lives. And that's why... Parish churches like this one matter so very much. I want you to think with me for just a moment. If someone asked you, how is St. John's doing? How's the cathedral these days? How would you answer? How's it going out there in the pews? You might answer by saying something about numbers numbers of people in the pews numbers of pledges that sort of thing and numbers are important they they tell us something not everything but they tell us something you might answer by talking about clergy or staff what i sometimes call and i hope you think this is funny the new regime You might talk about the increasing numbers of lay people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be themselves, to do the work of the church, the hands and the feet and the mind of the body of Christ at every level of this parish, more of that. But on the most basic level, St. John's is doing as well as you are. On the most basic level, we are doing as well as you are or are not. On the most basic level, how our story is going is, is how your story is going. In order to imagine then St. John's Cathedral as it really is, we have to imagine people and stories and narratives and ups and downs. We're a community of people who are here. Because there's some mysterious relationship among the story of Jesus, our own personal stories, and the very being of God. Telling and listening and remembering our personal stories then is the best we know, best way we know how to figure out how this place, how this community is doing. And to get at what this transcendent place is actually for. It's a place for stories. In my last Pierce in Memphis, we had this team of people whose job it was to think about and observe um, and improve how new people came through the doors and over time got integrated or connected to, to groups and guilds and got involved. And after a few years, we'd had some remarkable growth in numbers and especially in depth of relationships. And there were two people on this committee who were, had a background in research and statistics. And what they wanted to do was to create a survey that would go to the hundred or so new people and ask them a series of questions so that we could in, be more intentional about what works And more intentional about letting go of what what barriers might be in the way of somebody getting involved and ensconced. There were a lot of questions in the survey. It went out to a lot of people had a great return rate. I remember and probably always will remember one question in particular. What was the biggest factor in you getting connected and engaged in this church? A, the priest's sermons. B, the programs. C, small groups or retreats. D, people in the pews talking and listening to me. I secretly hoped and longed that the answer would be the preaching. (laughs) I just knew it. These things come back. Over 90% of the people said, people in the pews, talking and listening to me. A poignant and for me powerful reminder that the good news, the gospel is at heart the sharing of stories, the sharing of relationships. It's not just the big story of Jesus the Christ. It's the way in which all of our intricate and personal stories connect or don't with that greater story. Parishes like this are about how all of those stories come together in a singular space. It's what we talk about when someone looks us in the eye after church and says, "Good morning." I'm I th- not sure we've met before, but not, my name is Richard. Or someone looks you in the eye and says, "How you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. How's your daughter? What about that job that didn't work out?" All of these stories. That's how well we're doing. In fact, these stories that we tell and hear after church and at coffee hour are the verbal equivalents of bread and wine.